0: Grandfather's grandfather clock comes to mind with its swinging pendulum with every tick-tock. The only way for the Christian to avoid swinging like a pendulum between faith and doubt is to keep focused upon Christ. And if we are regularly reading our Bibles, it is very difficult not to be focused upon Christ. For this Word of God written that we have in the Bible sets before us the Lord Jesus Christ in his all-sufficiency to save so that we might be enabled in the way, although this world is, to the believer, a wilderness that we are passing through. Yet we are passing through on our way to Zion, on our way to meeting face to face our Lord. How important faith is then dear friends, in these things that we might have that full assurance of faith in believing in the Lord Jesus. So we're looking at saving faith and assurance. These two are linked together in the scripture and they are also linked together in the experimental Uh, knowledge of the truth as it is in Jesus. We want to begin this evening with degrees of faith. We want to understand that we do not always have that fullness of faith that we should. We can be weak in faith and that is very discouraging for us. And contrary to what God would have us to attained, attain to. We read here with respect to Abraham of ancient time. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform in verse 20 we read that he staggered not at the promise of god through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to god he staggered not but was strong says the Apostle. Now our confession makes no bones about this matter of degrees of faith. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 14 and section 3, we read, This faith is different in degrees, weak or strong. And that is what we find when we are reading our Bibles. We find variation of faith in the individual and also in the church. This matter of degrees of faith is found in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Saviour addresses both perspectives for lack of consideration of the kindness and power of God, the Saviour reproves weak faith. That's why it is weak, insufficient meditation upon the wondrous grace of God and the almighty power of God. You remember that occasion when the Lord Jesus Christ made reference to the beauty of the lilies of the field which exceed Solomon's glory. Matthew 6 and 30 we read, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now the Lord Jesus Christ does not damn or discourage little faith, but he would have it to grow and to develop. He commends to us the consideration of that centurion for whom the word of Christ sufficed, that we might be like him. He said, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. You see, he understood this matter of authority. Where there is authority, it is sufficient to express what one would have to be, and it is carried into effect. We read there in Matthew uh, chapter 8, and this is verses 9 through to 10, When the Lord heard that, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no not in israel this this gentile had come to such confidence in the lord jesus on account of what he had heard of him and he relates it to his own experience in uh, his position uh, under authority on the one hand but over others On the other hand, and he was well familiar with the fact that when he who is in authority speaks and commands, it is carried into effect. And therefore, when he applied this theologically to the Lord Jesus Christ, he could believe that at the word of Christ, his servant, would be healed. Great faith. We are thus urged by the Lord Jesus Christ not to be satisfied with little faith, but to desire its growth and strengthening to great faith. Degrees of faith we find also in the teaching of the apostle paul he it is who refers to the example of abraham as god had promised it abraham expected a posterity even when sarah his wife was barren so the apostle paul explains here in romans chapter 4 verses 19 through to 21 and being not weak in faith, he, that is Abraham, considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded what he had promised. He was able also to perform. You see, what our attainment is to be, we are to follow in the footsteps of Abraham, the father of the faithful. Embrace the promises of God. Be confident in the promises of God. Notwithstanding what great promises they are, we are to be strong in faith fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able to perform. We have in this connection the analogy of babes' milk and adults' meat. This analogy is used to urge the Jewish believers to progress when they ought to have been teachers serving the meat of the word They were spiritual babies. And so we have those words, For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a bear. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hebrews 5 verses 13 and 14 when their senses should have been exercised to discern good and evil. They were still in the infancy of ceremonies, calendars of days and years, and human priests. Alas, what ignorance and immaturity was in them. How different it is with Christ and when we trust in Christ. So later in Hebrews, in chapter 9, in verse 11 and 12, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things, to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not with this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us, you see we're not to stagger, we're not to we're not to fail, we're not to limp along, we are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, not going into some material tabernacle here upon earth with the blood of bullocks and of goats, but no the Lord Jesus Christ, having given himself as the sacrificial lamb and risen again from the dead, entering into the heavenly glory as the fully accomplished high priest of his people, that we might not be dithering and wavering, but looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So that we, are, we ourselves are strong. In faith. And making progress. In holiness. Thereby. We know what is. Uh, what is intended. And how the Christian ought. To be. But we are well familiar as we go along with the matter of doubt, militating, fighting against faith. Abraham staggered not with it, though that which was promised was of such magnitude, though everything seemed to be against it, Because Sarah was was barren. Abraham believed. He believed God. And it was imputed to him for the receiving of righteousness. He did not stagger, says the Apostle Paul. How often we do and how we need to address this in our personal lives. If you have ever read the Westminster Confession of Faith, you know that it is very practical. It is not for theological ivory towers, but for Christians in their home, in the workplace, and on the street. The confession is realistic, practical, and reassuring. It neither sets unattainable standards nor deters progress in the matters of faith and perseverance. Chapter 14, Section 3 is to the point. It continues with respect to faith. This faith may be often and many ways assailed and weakened, but gets the victory. What a wonderful, concise statement with respect to the the beauty and power of true spirit-wrought saving faith. Assailed, attacked, But it gets the victory. Saving faith, you see, can neither avoid the warfare of faith, nor be overcome by it. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 4 and 5 writes, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? The true believer is on the victory side, and that victory cannot be taken away from him or her. A Saving faith may be often, and in many ways, assailed and weakened. There are the great setbacks in life, such as the death of a loved one. There are the turmoils of life, such as war, deadly plagues, or economic recession perhaps with all of this that is going on in the Ukraine, you have considered how it would be with you if you were standing in the shoes of those Ukrainian Christians. What would you make of it? What would you do about it? How would you cope? It's a challenge, such a challenge to us dear friends, even to think about it. And as we journey on through life, there are those inevitable ongoing health problems that even without major crises can be extremely debilitating. Struggling day by day with with pain or weakness or whatever, it might be, and God does not spare his people in connection with these things. All these and many other things are challenges to saving faith, as well as our own personal enemy, if we put it that way, our indwelling sin. Indeed, when we begin to think about it, we wonder how it is that we have got as far as we have, and we remind ourselves it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Saving faith, you see, notwithstanding all of the trials and temptations and difficulties, gets the victory. It gets the victory because our victory begins with Christ's victory. We are not left alone in the warfare of faith. What encouragement was in those words of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Apostle Peter, more than Peter realized at the time. We have the record in Luke 22, 31. The Savior says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. This is not a haphazard thing. This is not something that just happens. The victory cannot be achieved without personal active participation. We are not generals in their bunker directing operations from afar, but soldiers in the trenches. Thus the Apostle Paul advises there and exhorts in Ephesians 6, 16 and 17, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, Satan's arrows cannot get the better of the shield of faith. Saving faith rests on Christ crucified and resurrected, not on self, not on the Church, not on any other thing, but Christ, And Christ alone. And you see when we come to Christ. And Christ alone. There is infinite sufficiency. To answer to our needs. You cannot possibly get to the limit of the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. In every trial, temptation or circumstance of adversity. When you are resting upon Christ, Satan cannot get the advantage over you. For Christ is so totally sufficient to answer to our every need. So we must not doubt that true saving faith will be victorious. What words of comfort we have from John the Apostle of love in 1 John 5 and verses 4 and 5. There he writes, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. See, if you have the right disposition of soul, a believing soul, that will see you through. It will see you through all of the adversities and all of the temptations of the devil and whatsoever else you might encounter in the walk of fear. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, because saving faith is a gift of God, it cannot be overcome. Though we have our duty to persevere, it is the Word of God which effectually work us worketh also in you that believe 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 now recognizing the importance then of exercising faith, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked we must recognize differences concerning the assurance of faith. To be strong in faith is a wonderful thing. Being not weak in faith, says the apostle. Abraham, considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. If God had promised to them Abraham and Sarah a son, then Abraham was not going to be weak in faith. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How we should be praying daily that we might be strong in faith like Abraham our forefather in the faith. We cannot say that all Christians attain to full assurance of faith or that it persists at the same strength in the same believer at uh, at different times. We sympathize and empathize with Elijah when he had his his time in the cave and that crisis of fear. We hear what he says in 1 Kings 19.14 I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is not exaggeration. This is what the man actually believed. He was out of contact with any other believers. He thought that he alone was left. And the occasions of crisis in the hand of a gracious God become occasions of personal development as Jehovah himself draws near and faith grows up in many to the attainment of full assurance through Christ who is both the author and finisher of our faith, as our confession says there in chapter 14 and that's section 3. We should notice the distinction between the assurance of faith and the assurance of sense in this connection. The assurance of faith. The assurance of faith looks to Christ as revealed to us in the Scripture and rests upon the Scripture as the Word of God written. The veracity and faithfulness of God, His utter reliability, underwrites our assurance of faith so that it can never die. Even when we are tempest-tossed or even under the wave, we know that the arm of the Lord is not shortened, that it cannot save. Thus the Apostle Paul writes, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of a full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Colossians 2, verses 1 and 2. The assurance of faith, understanding that God is true to his word, And there is not going to fail anything of all that he has promised. Now, alongside of this, there is the assurance of sense. This is the assurance that we feel in our own hearts as a result of the Spirit's work in us. It results from our assurance of faith and always depends upon it. Much grief has been caused among true believers because of the failure to distinguish between these two. And when sorrow overtakes uh, the believer for some reason and the sense of eternal things decline, the believer fears that they have lost all. But you see, the promises of God in Christ remain as real and unchangeable as ever. So we are not to set the assurance of faith and the assurance of sense at war with one another. It is the assurance of faith that undergirds the assurance of sense. And we might say that the assurance of sense, the, that wonderful realization and conviction with respect to our safe keeping in Christ, that is the crown of glory to the assurance of faith. That is when our hearts, as it were, correspond with the reality of where we are as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not when we are uh, dithering and and worrying as it were in anxiety but when faith prevails and consequently that assurance of sense accompanies it so uh, the apostle writing in Hebrews 6 and verses 11 and 12 says And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The circumstances of life that uh, God has planned for us to live through are part of his purpose for building this spiritual endurance whereby we are looking away from ourselves and our own capacities and looking to Christ and looking to Christ alone and realizing that it's not in our own strength that we are to go forward and to prevail, but it is in Christ. And so we are exhorted to maintain this assurance of sense on the basis of the rock, which is Christ. We are to be diligent about this matter of the full assurance of faith and hope and persevere to the end. Therefore, the Apostle later shows that our assurance of faith and therefore our assurance of sense rest ultimately on Christ. And so that exhortation in Hebrews 10, uh, 22 and 23, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Without wavering. For he is faithful. That You See God is faithful. His promises are invincible. What he has promised he will perform. And therefore let us not dither and slither and backslide but rather press toward the mark we had to recognise the importance of accepting the assurance of faith and the assurance of sense in their proper order as one The Reformed worthies put it, When a man gives me his promissory note, I have the assurance of faith. When he gives me a pledge or pays the interest regularly, I have the assurance of sense. They are perfectly consistent with one another, may exist in the soul at the same time. And their combination carries assurance to the highest point. Not only do we know that God will not fail on the basis of his promises, but we have that assurance in our own hearts and our our very being is telling the same story. That is when we are persuaded, and when we are persuaded, we go forward invincible against the world, the death, and uh, the the world, the flesh, and and the devil. Thus, it is enough for salvation to believe on the all-sufficient Christ alone. But this involves the assurance that he saves. And along with that comes the assurance that I know that I am his and he is mine. All rests not on our faith, but on the infinite and unchanging object of our faith, Christ crucified, resurrected, and ascended to the highest glory. So the sum of all is simply put there in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. We are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has suffered. He has died. He has risen again from the dead. He is seated in the heavenly glory. See, all that is needful is done. And shall we then be dithering and trembling with respect to our salvation and our progress to heaven? Let it not be, dear friends, but let us have not only that assurance of faith, but that assurance of sense, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.